This is the Decision Masters Podcast. I'm Kirsten Parker, the decision coach for overthinkers. When you feel good about your decisions, life feels good. You get to be present in your days and excited about where you're going. I'm going to help you build your decision mastery so it's easy to know what you want, navigate uncertainty, and handle any feelings that happen. Whether you're in the middle of some overthinking angst right now, or you simply love feeling in charge of your choices, you're in the right place. Clear, confident decisions are right around the corner. Let's get into it. Well, hello. I am jazzed to be talking to you on the Decision Masters podcast. Hi, I'm Kirsten. We're going to have so much fun together. And here's why. Because I think you and I are a little bit the same in that we are big-brained, hardworking, sometimes super hard on ourselves, but really enthusiastic, high achievers. And we're used to using our smarts as our superpowers. It just doesn't always work incredibly effectively, right? We can't always think our way through problems and feelings and decisions in a way that feels like really efficient and really effective, right? So that's what we're going to talk about. Because I used to be an overthinker, capital O. I lived in overthinking agony, and I am proof, I promise, that you can change these habits. If this is what I've been working with my clients on for years in my coaching practice. And I want you to know that it's possible that if you're in overthinking agony right now, you don't have to live that way forever. You don't have to identify as an overthinker. So we're not just going to talk about ideas and concepts on this podcast, we're going to make sure you know exactly how to use the tools that I've been teaching my clients, the ones that I use myself, how to use those tools in your real human life so that you can stop experiencing life as an overthinker. And that sounds like a big undertaking, but we can do hard things and we're going to make it fun. So let me tell you where I'm coming from. So you have some context. What does this chick mean when she says she used to be an overthinker? I worked in professional theater for over 10 years. I was a stage manager. I even got my master's degree from Yale in theater stage management. Inside my work box, I was used to working hard and problem solving and troubleshooting and thinking ahead and connecting dots and organizing. If you don't know what a stage manager is in theater, what that role is, just think of every project manager and communication manager and scheduler you've ever known and put them together in one job, who's also in charge of managing everyone's personalities. (laughs) It's not always the funnest. So that inside my work box, I was very high functioning. In my life, it was a little more chaotic. I was always anxious. I was always second guessing everything. I was always needing 19 people's input and feedback on my ideas. So despite having things moving along in my life and looking like everything was put together, I didn't feel steady. I didn't feel grounded. I didn't feel certain of my path, even though I was doing all these high achieving things. And this is where a lot of my clients meet me. They're living inside some flavor of overthinking as their norm. And where I got and where my clients get and where you can get, I promise, is this place of decision mastery. It's oh so delicious. 
Because now I have to tell you, I think of myself as an excellent decision maker. I literally said that to my husband on a dog walk. (laughs) We were talking about buying a house. And I was like, well, I'm not worried about it because I make excellent decisions. And I laughed because uh, that's a fun thing to say. But also, ding, if five years ago me could hear me now. But it's true. I feel calm. Calm was not in my vocabulary back in my overthinking days. And I feel clear. I feel like it is easy to answer the question, what do I want? What's most important right now? And that question, I tell you, it used to knock me on my feet. And I never worry about regretting my choices. And that's a big one because that used to cause physical angst for me. And I know so many of my clients and so many people who seek help clearing up their minds, help making decisions. Their number one worry is that they're going to regret something. So I want you to know, again, this is totally possible. It's what we're here to talk about. And I want to also be super transparent that I do feel doubt and fear and worry because I am still a human person. So I'm not selling magic beans. I'm not painting a rosy picture of just do these five things and you will end up a totally stressless person who never experiences humaning again. We're all going to human. But I relate to doubt and fear and worry differently. And I've got some systems in place that make it easy to stay grounded more of the time so that when I do get a little amped up, I get back to grounded faster and easier, more easily. (laughs) My mom was a teacher. Sometimes I, I can't help but correct myself when I can hear her in the background of my mind being like, grammar. So today I want to talk about the three main skills that I built to go from overthinker to decision master. These are the same three main skills that I work with clients to build up. And we need to not only name them, but point out some super duper common misunderstandings that we all tend to have about these things. It's going to make them feel a lot easier And like you're a lot closer to them than you might think. So these are the three pillars of decision mastery. Ooh, are you excited? Our three pillars, clarity, self-regulation, and self-trust. Are you just doing cartwheels already? I can hear it. Yes. Okay, so let's clear up our misunderstandings though, because clarity was a big one for me for at least five solid years of my life. I'm not kidding. I thought I didn't have clarity and I needed clarity. But I thought clarity meant knowing all of the answers to every single question my brain asked. And our brains love them to death, but they don't always ask the most useful, helpful questions. Am I right? So I thought clarity meant knowing the exact job title I wanted. It was being able to see the five-year plan. It was not having any questions. So here's the truth about clarity, okay? Yes, clarity means knowing what you want. It means being crystal clear with yourself on what matters most to you and what does not matter most to you. But it doesn't require having every answer to every question that your ever-loving brain asks. Clarity coexists with questions. So I want you to know you are clear right now. However confused you feel, however many questions you feel like are amping you up, 
I promise you're clearer than you think. You might not be able to hear yourself super clearly, but you're probably looking for answers to questions that you don't need to answer in order to feel clear and grounded. And all you have to do to start with clarity is know what's most important to you right now. We're going to do a whole episode on this. Don't worry. But if you think you're not clear right now, I want you to just consider maybe I'm clearer than I feel. Maybe I'm clearer than my brain is telling me I am. It's not the most reliable source of information after all, right? But if you sat down and you asked, what are my top five core values? How do I want to feel? Who do I want to be six months from now? And you let go of needing that answer to include a job title or a a location you're living in or, or something like that. If you just let your answer be enough, that's clarity. That's your starting place. And in Building Decision Mastery, we just get you clearer and clearer on that conversation so that you have a direct line of communication with yourself. So you can hear yourself decide in the moment without apology what's most important right now, what isn't. Ugh, so juicy. Okay, the second pillar of decision mastery, the skill we're going to be building together is self-regulation. Okay, so if this doesn't sound super sexy and fun to you, (laughs) yes, same page, except I thought this meant being perfect. Raise your hand with me right now or like raise an eyebrow if you're driving. If you have a very clear image in your head of the perfect version of you. I used to have perfect me, clear as a bell. She had all the perfect routines. She had perfect motivation. She never got tired. She never felt feelings. And I hated her. (laughs) Like I aspired to be her, but I only used her against myself. I only used this image of how I should be to highlight what I was doing wrong, prove to myself how behind I was, And I thought that was the gap I needed to close in order to be self-regulated. My misunderstanding and a lot of my clients have the same exact misunderstanding going on in their heads that to feel in charge of ourselves, to feel calm and in control, we need to be feelingless perfection robots. I'm going to take a stand and say, maybe not. (laughs) Maybe that's never, ever worked before and we can stop trying. (laughs) So here's the truth about self-regulation. This is how I define it and I love it. So I invite you to take this definition for yourself if you love it too. For me, self-regulation means having an awareness of and a healthy regard for your body and your brain and your emotions. That's it awareness of them and a healthy regard for them. Ooh, doesn't that just sound like you can do it any which way (laughs) according to the day? Yeah? So yes, we have to, in order to have mastery over our decisions and love the decisions we make every day and feel like they're easy, we have to regulate stress. We have to process emotions. We have to manage your mindset, but not in a way that we think that looks, right? Not in a discipline burnout, willpower way. Not in a way that presupposes we should only make perfect decisions and feel perfect emotions and any imperfect feeling emotions like doubt and fear are signs that something is going wrong. 
So hopefully this is good news, right? Hopefully this is permission to take perfect you off our perfect little pedestal and invite yourself to kind of give yourself a little grace, maybe like step on your own team a little bit and think that, yeah, I might be better at self-regulation than I think, than I give myself credit for. And it might just be a matter of making this tiny little mental switch. Maybe just having more awareness of my body, like what's going on with my bod and my brain, my thoughts, right? And my emotions. So self-regulation lets us stay consciously self-directed amidst all of the surprises and failures and feelings of everyday life. This is what lets us get back to grounded, get back to center, get back to focus and keep making decisions that serve us, that we feel good about. So let's get to the third pillar. Oh, did I save the best for last? Um, Maybe. Who here has heard of self-trust? Who's checked in with self-trust? I didn't even know this was a thing. So if you have never run a check on like, how self-trusting am I today? One to 10. You're not alone. What I didn't know is I had very little self-trust, but I thought I had a confidence problem. I thought because I hadn't figured everything out yet and I was always so anxious and felt so behind that I had to solve that. So I couldn't, I didn't feel confident, but I couldn't feel confident in my mind until I figured everything out and I got where I was supposed to get, right? It wasn't there yet, air quotes. And that was not my problem. My problem was I had cultivated no self-trust. Here's a little analogy I use for self-trust, okay, in the, in the context of our pillars. We have clarity and self-regulation, right? Huge, delicious, so, so good. But without self-trust, having these skills of clarity and self-regulation is like being on a luxurious yacht with a fabulous island within yachting distance but having zero belief that you can or deserve to yacht. In other words, clarity and self-regulation are kind of useless. They're less helpful if you don't trust yourself. You got to believe that you can and deserve to have the things that clarity and self-regulation are going to help you get. So when we build self-trust, we build a respect for our own boundaries. We stop using judgment as motivation. We stop fearing our own backlash if we make mistakes or if we feel feelings. I want you to check in on this right now because you might think the same thing I thought. You might think you have a confidence problem or you have a logistics problem, right? I just don't feel how I should or I just haven't solved the problems that I have to. But check in, how much am I trusting myself? And it's okay if you have no idea how to answer that question And it's okay if the number's kind of low. But I want you to know it's possible. It is inevitable. Let's put it that way. It's inevitable that you will build self-trust. If you stick with me and you go on a little bit of a journey with me, it's going to be fun. I promise. I have confetti. I'll throw it all the time. You can't see it, but it's okay. You will cultivate rock-solid self-trust, which means that you will know You can handle anything that happens, and you can solve any problem you need to. Mm. I define self-trust as 
being aware of and cultivating resilience and resourcefulness. When you know you're resilient, when you know you can survive anything, how do we know? Because you already have, you're here. And when you know you're resourceful, you can solve any problem you need to, and you eliminate the requirement of perfection, you're unstoppable. So I want to offer that you might be more self-trusting right now than you think. You just might not have checked in on, dang, how resilient and resourceful am I? Uh, a lot. Very much. So, mm, enjoy that. So you already have the skills. That's my point here. You already are clear. You can already self-regulate. And you already trust yourself at least a little bit. I know you do. So we can only get stronger from here. We're just going to build on these skills. We're just going to build and deepen the decision mastery. And it's habit change, right? So it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight, and that's by design, and it's totally okay. I want you to also know what decision mastery means for you. I'll tell you what it means to me. Why do we care? (laughs) Why do we care about making good decisions? I think we care. I think you care because you want to love the life you're living and you want to love who you're being in that life. And that means feeling good about where you are. It means feeling in charge of where you're going. It means saying yes to the things you want and saying no to the things you don't want. It means putting effort into what matters to you, which is different than working hard for the sake of proving yourself or simply being productive because we should always be productive. It means defining what a good use of your time is for you. It means giving yourself permission to stop trying to fit into boxes that make other people comfortable and really go for what you want. Imagine that life. Imagine letting yourself not tamp yourself down or make yourself small or hold yourself back. Imagine letting yourself see what's possible and being yourself the entire way there, knowing you're enough, knowing you're on the right path. You can handle whatever's next. That's why we care. That's what we're going for here. That's you with decision mastery, my friend. And it's totally possible for you. I want to be there with you every step of the way. And it's going to be so much fun. I'll talk to you soon. Hey, if you loved this episode, you got to grab your free copy of The Ultimate Guide to Easy Decisions. You'll get six instant solutions to get out of your head and feel certain about your next choice. Just go to kirstenparker.com forward slash guide to grab it. And make sure to subscribe so you can catch every week's episode to keep building your decision mastery and become an X overthinker. See you soon.